0: If you've asked the appropriate questions, you'll have people almost begging to do business with you. You're listening to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience, a podcast dedicated to helping executives train their sales and marketing teams to optimize growth. Whether you're looking for techniques and strategies or tools and resources, you've come to the right place. Let's accelerate your growth in three,
1: two, one. Welcome everyone to the B2B Revenue Executive Experience. I'm your host, Chad Sanderson. Today, we're lucky to have with us Brian Robinson, author of the Amazon number one bestseller, The Selling Formula, Five Steps for Instant Sales Improvement, and an executive who has worked in sales and marketing for companies including Coca-Cola and Johnson and Johnson. Brian, thank you for taking time and welcome to the show.
0: Thank you, Chad. It's truly an honor to be here with you.
1: Uh, I'm glad it could actually happen. We were talking about this before we hit record. But for the audience, we've had to move this two or three times, sometimes for acts of God, sometimes for acts of airlines, but we've had to move it and now we're actually getting it done. (laughs) Here we (laughs) are. All right. Before we jump into the topic of the day, um, we would like just to ask a random question just so our audience gets to know you a little bit. So, and I just changed this one up so you'd be the first one to get this particular question. If you could spend an afternoon with any person currently alive, thought leader, business person, philanthropist, artist, anyone you believe would help inform your perspective or challenge your thinking, who would it be and why?
0: I would choose Joe Polish, who in my view is one of the greatest marketing minds of this generation. I credit the ideas in his audio program, Piranha Marketing, with getting me off the road and moving my entire sales model to the phone. It literally changed my life.
1: So when you say off the road, wait a minute, that's a a phrase that a lot of my audience, myself included, is going to lean in and say, wait, 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 (laughs) tell me more, tell me more.
0: Yeah. So I I am the father of eight children and the husband of one amazing wife. And we were My wife was pregnant with twins when I was six months into my first entrepreneurial venture where I left corporate America, Johnson & Johnson, after 13 years. And I helped a friend of mine start a company selling on-hold messages. So when somebody gets put on the phone, they hear on-hold messages. That's what our company created. And um, I was on the road 1,000 to 1,500 miles a week and cold calling And if I didn't sell, I didn't eat. Right. So I came across this Piranha Marketing audio program from Joe Polish. And one of the ideas he talks about is free recorded messages. So I remember driving to Kansas and I was on the road. I heard this idea and I literally yelled out in my car, that's it. This is the idea that could change everything. And I called my partner and um, told him, and he was like, yeah, whatever, I've got deals to close, talk to you later. <laughs> and so um, I went and took an extension at our office and recorded a message on it. I sent out, now this will date me a little, I sent out a fax blast to one of our associations we're connected to, and the phone started ringing off the hook. People called, listened to the message, and left a voicemail for me if they were interested in what I was talking about. And that whole process eventually led to sending out direct mail pieces and bringing people to a landing page with a video on it. And it, bottom line is it created lead generation without my having to cold call anymore. And then I wound up doing this by phone because I had to stay around the house with all of our kiddos. So um, that transition happened over a period of about two years, and ever since then, virtually everything I do is over the phone and it changed everything for us.
1: That's awesome. There are a lot of people out there, you know, we talk about having to have creativity, curiosity, and grit if you're going to be in sales or prospecting, right? And that yeah. I'm already starting to think about, all right, how can I replicate that today? Because I'm here to great, help. It's a great way. I mean, people, yeah, people, people just, you know, if you give them the opportunity to learn and listen without being, uh, Overly salesy. They have a tendency mm-hmm. to take it a little bit more seriously. That's a great story. Thank you very much for sharing that. Mm-hmm. All right. So two topics today. First is the concept of sales malpractice. And the second is how to create questions that drive results. So let's, let's start with sales malpractice. Cause this is a phrase that hits, it may hit a lot of people different ways. But the minute you say malpractice, number one, it speaks to a bit of a science and, and a responsibility that individuals have uh, in their professions. Uh, but I would love for you to just kind of start with like an, a definition of how you define sales malpractice.
0: It's a very clinical showing up <laughs> and throwing up <laughs> for all the doctors out there. Um, and to, to be more specific, it's rushing to the presentation of your product or service and providing a solution before really digging into their situation with great probing questions. It really to put it in a medical context, it's like a doctor prescribing medication without asking pointed questions to determine if in fact there is indeed this is indeed the best medication for the
1: patient. Yeah. Do that you have problems known? we can solve? Do you have problems we can solve? That's a huge question, right? A lot of yes. a lot of sales reps just jump right into, Oh, hey, this is the cool thing I'm selling right now. You want one?
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's there's there's something In even in seasoned salespeople. I have a friend of mine who's in charge in North America for a company. And he said, I just don't get it. These guys are making high six-figure incomes and they still rush to the presentation. And I know they could double their income if they just took the time to craft
1: better questions. And so why do you think that is? Why do you think, I mean, this is, I'm not sure we'll crack this particular nut. This seems to be one of those things that is, we talk about a lot if you're if you're in, in the sales space. Why do you see... Because I mean, I see it every day too. Why do we see so many people jump straight to the solution? Is it is it lazy? Is it moving too fast? I mean, from your experience, what have you seen or well, what do you think is kind of the biggest culprit there?
0: I think there's a couple of things. I think first of all, they the value we place as salespeople on the presentation and product knowledge is a 10 out of 10. On the questions, it kind of lingers around five or six out of 10. You know, we got to have decent questions, but what really matters is when we're presenting, right?
1: <laughs> well, that's when, yeah, that's when everybody feels like they're on stage, right? That's when, right. They, that's when they feel like, and there's a lot of people out there that spend a lot of time trying to teach sales reps, like, here's how you bring a little theater into the room or whatever it is. But if you're, if, you're, if you haven't asked the questions, you don't have the context. How do you even know, uh, you're going to resonate at all?
0: Totally agree. And I would flip that and say, you need to put an 11 out of 10 in terms of importance for your questions. And, you know, the presentation will take care of itself. It really will. If you've asked the appropriate questions, you'll have people almost begging to do business with you. If you ask the right questions.
1: Well, and then there's this latest research. I don't know if you've seen it from gong.io, where they talk about the optimal number of questions For SVP or lowers, I think 11 to 14. Like if you can ask 11 to 14 questions sprinkled Mm. throughout, not, not like all front loaded, but like Mm. natural conversation, then you get into, you get into an area where you are focused on something other than just your product. But when you say that to a sales rep, I've seen, I've, you know, I've used this stat with clients and they'll, and they'll look at me and think 11 to 14, that's a lot of questions. (laughs) It really isn't. No, it really is not at all yeah it's like
0: three or four is is the max for a lot of people <laughs> and yeah. and on the second one, they're
1: already thinking about what they're gonna say in the presentation. Well, yeah, then there's the whole listening part, right? So like mm. asking the questions is one part of it, but then actually paying attention to what is said mm. uh, becomes another element of the of the skills that I think people you know have a challenge with. The question becomes when when you work in an organization or you work with teams, how do you help them understand or give them like a best practice on here's you know, here's how you should structure your questions or here's how you should slow your head down so you can actually get mm. true focus and strategic on the questions? How do we get over that digital onslaught and the speed at which everyone's moving today?
0: I think that it's, it's pretty simple. As a sales manager, you would want to, when you do your ride-alongs or work-withs, uh, you would just say, I'm going to focus today on your questions. I'm going to listen very carefully to what you're asking. And then even more pointedly, if I would take the top salespeople in the organization and I would make a note of exactly what they're asking and compare that as a baseline to what the other salespeople are asking and start using the top sales representatives' questions and the order in which they're asking them as a means of guiding the other salespeople to ask better questions.
1: So crowdsource it. So take take a baseline, yeah. then crowdsource it. I mean, we've got the tools to do that, right? <laughs> Slack is a great, uh, great collaboration tool to pull that off. The question becomes sales. So the front line of this is really managers, right? I think you and I have both been doing this long enough. We know that if you don't have the managers bought in, you can give this kind of guidance and and these growth hacks, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, to the sales reps. But if the managers aren't reinforcing it, if they're not given the opportunity or the structure to do it consistently to the teams the people fall back to their old behaviors, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a baseline, but how much time should a manager spend really reviewing the questions or, I mean, even a rep putting them together?
0: Well, let me give you a story about that. When I was with Johnson and Johnson, uh, we had a product for laparoscopic hernia repair that was new in the market. We had an entrenched competitor that was killing us And I was getting very frustrated with getting shut down over and over by the surgeons that I was working with to even try our hernia stapler. So I decided to sit down and craft questions that would elicit a really positive response and get them to try our product. It took me several hours to craft the questions. I wound up with a list of about 20, and then I whittled it down to about 10 or so. And then I was careful about how I ordered them. And a lot of these, Chad, just for context, are scrub sync conversations. (laughs) They're getting ready to scrub into a procedure and you have to earn the right to first get in the procedure and secondly, have them try your product. And so what happened was, as I followed these questions, my evaluations doubled and my sales doubled and I kept honing them and it got better and better. As I was a sales trainer, other salespeople heard me asking these questions. I would ask the same questions over and over. And they said, where'd you get this list of questions? I said, I created it. Will you want a copy? I said, yeah. And when they followed the questions in order, their evaluations doubled. And so did their sales as well. And word got out in the sales force and people started calling me, asking me for this question list, but it worked. (laughs) So the, the answer is, take as much time as you need to build good questions. And the way you do that I found the easiest way to do that is take a spreadsheet and make three columns or a piece of paper. The first column is listing your features for that particular product or service. The second column is the attendant benefits of each feature. So there'll be one feature listed, generally several benefits for that feature. Then the third column are the questions that you would ask to elicit those benefits. And there are going to be multiple questions for each benefit. So you can see it fanning out big time as you add content to these columns, right? Then you take an 80-20 approach. You take the most critical questions and you take the 20% top questions and you integrate that into your list, starting with general fact-finding questions, kind of housekeeping questions, and then moving into more specific questions to elicit the greatest challenge or issue that your prospect may
1: have does that make sense absolutely absolutely you're speaking my language cuz we from my standpoint we call it a competitive differentiation exercise but hmm. it, but you have to find you have to understand how to ask a question that uncovers the other person's perspective but you're structuring it in a way like you're going um house cleaning into that differentiation that requires a level of strategic thought Mm-hmm. and focus that um, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I see a lot of people struggle with, with today. Like how do they, how do we get them in the right mindset, slow them down, actually tell them they have to, you know, this is, I've found for me anyway, because the minute you leave my computer screen on, I'm going to end up watching Rottweiler videos somewhere. <laughs> but for me, it's old school. I like working with this thing called paper. I come, you come from a time where there were faxes. I come from a time when phones had cords. So we're a little bit more old school, but some of the, the, The newer generation, how do we help them slow down? Because you can't do this on the fly.
0: Right. This isn't
1: something you're just going to all of a sudden try and, you know, take the risk in front of your C level buyer and see if you can make this up. So how do we set a context? How do you suggest you set a context for them to slow down and truly apply that strategic thought?
0: What you do is you, you have to start with an agenda. That was a game changing idea for me in selling. And when you sit down with your prospect, it would sound something like this. I've created a list of questions that I'd like to ask you during our conversation. And I'd like to take notes on your answers with your permission. Would that be okay? And what it does is it forces you to pull this list of questions out. You don't have to fake it. And you can literally go through and step through each question and ask them. And there's something incredibly powerful about having a list of questions you've already prepared. It shows you're trustworthy, you care, you want to really help them. And just setting the agenda up front, I think, will it, for me, it slowed me down and it forced me to go through those questions that I took so much time to craft. And so here's an example of that. Very simple. This is in my book, The Selling Formula. So here's a feature. Um, let's say you're selling pre-made home-cooked meals, okay? The feature is pre-made home-cooked meals for two to six people. The benefit could be, first benefit is, saves up to 60 minutes per meal, including food purchase, prep, and cooking time. Another benefit could be, just pull it out of the freezer and put it in the oven. So one of the questions you would ask is, on a weekly basis, how many dinners do you cook for your family? Another question could be, How much time does it typically take you to make a dinner for your family? The third question, if you could just pull your dinner out of the freezer already prepared and put it into the oven without having to think about it, how would that affect the frequency of your family meals? So now you're getting down into the emotional, heartfelt level. Personal value
1: makes the world go round. Right well <laughs> <laughs> okay, and even to do that, I mean, I can see it coming together and and I'm going to assume everybody needs to get the book and, and see these examples it's It's the time, right it's the mm-hmm. how do you you know I, I'll go back to that word malpractice, so when we use that word that's a heavy word, so I'm a firm believer that sales uh, sales and consulting is a you know, it's a distinguished career. not a lot of people agree with me. thank you. Goodness for the current political climate. At least we're not as bad off as politics right now. (laughs) But, but when you, when you take seriously the discipline and the, and the profession that you're in, there's a certain level of investment in self-improvement and prep Mm -hmm. that I think everybody should be focused on. It's just something that I think falls to the wayside because we're constantly being bombarded all the time. But the, but the impact for the individual you're saying is more sales more of a trusted relationship with your with your buyers and your clients, mm-hmm. um, you know thing, things like that that are going to affect their outcome and their ability to provide for their families at the end of the day.
0: Yes. I think what we forget is, generally speaking, we look at that prospect as a number, as a means of hitting our number, when in fact they are an individual just like you and me. They have pains. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a challenge. And if we can get to a place where where we care about them, like and care about them, before we ever sit down with them, and this goes to the pre-call mindset idea, and thinking through about how you want to serve and help them, if you keep that forefront of your mind, it can change everything in the sales conversation. And that's a key word, conversation. Most people do a presentation. I recommend you have a conversation. That's a little
1: different. Yeah, well, nobody. I, I mean, I could be wrong, but nobody I've run into really like wakes up in the morning and says, "Man, I hope I have the opportunity to have a death by PowerPoint session today." <laughs> right? right? They, the conversation is much more collaborative. It's much mm-hmm. more. You're going to get to a better outcome if everybody understands each other. If everybody's in alignment, rather than, "Hey, this is what I got. Figure out how to use it." Right which on. Is what we see a lot of sales reps do today. Just because I don't know, they're chasing the number. They, it's probably completely off topic. But when you when all they're doing is looking at their number, they have a tendency, I think, to try and make as many shortcuts to get from A to B as possible. Whereas if they slowed down, were invested in their success, were truly curious about understanding their prospects and asking those questions, crafting intelligent, well thought out, structured questions, you're going to get to something that is solely lacking today, which is a deeper level of human connection in a, in a business environment.
0: Yes. Yes. Case in point, have a, a gentleman. Actually, I did a podcast with a gentleman who also does uh, full video production for real estate agents and other type of people like that. And he took and went about three levels deeper with his questions after our conversation. And he, he reached out to me and said, he made the biggest sale he ever made. And I said, why what happened? he said, I actually got to a place where I was asking how their inability to generate leads would affect their family. And if I could help them do that, what the, how that would change the whole dynamic of their business, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, this was to my point earlier, they were almost begging him to do business with him before he walked out the door.
1: Yeah. It's that connection. I mean, I think yeah. people that invest, yeah. And I, I know I know I'm already going to get an email or two. Oh, you know, hey, you guys are talking foundational stuff. Yes, this is foundational. But I don't know, maybe it's me. But the more people we work with today, the faster we move, the more digital distractions we have, the more immediate response we have, the foundational stuff becomes even more critical. Mm -hmm. Mastery of a foundational approach, something like this, like put your time in. Work on the questions. Truly be curious about the other person's perspective and craft those questions around the impact, the outcome. Because that's what you're selling. Nobody's selling a widget. Mm-hmm. They're selling an outcome. I didn't buy a I didn't buy a Harley. <laughs> I didn't buy a Harley because it was gonna save me gas. I a <laughs> Harley because I look good. It makes this guy my size look good. Right. There's emotional reasons for that. And the guy who sold it to me got downright to that. Like, what is it you're really trying to accomplish rather than do you want this feature? Mm-hmm. help them understand. So it's, it's an exploration. If I'm following you, it sounds like a, a collaborative exploration to get to an alignment of understanding.
0: Exactly what it is. Yeah. Well and said. So,
1: and so when we have, okay, so we've got managers, we know the managers should, should, and I'm actually literally physically doing air quotes right now, should <laughs> be coaching to that stuff. What happens when the managers aren't like, there's a concept as we were prepping for this, you, you know, we were tossed back and forth self-coaching, Help me understand how, how a rep can self-coach, how they can really drive this into their day-to-day. Sure. I think there's
0: two really powerful ways you can self-coach. One is to keep a sales journal. Walk out of your presentation, your conversation, and journal everything you did. And I don't mean every jot and tittle of what you did, but the highlights. And it's astonishing what you will remember And you'll instantly be able to tell yourself, I could have done better with that question. I could have done something differently here. Just the fact of reviewing what you've done can make a dramatic improvement in your capability. The other is to, and this is scary for a lot of people, is record yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's we are stuck inside our bottle and we cannot read the writing on our own label. And when you record yourself, the label is wide open you can see it all and hear it all, right? (laughs) So audio record yourself. And um, that is probably the most powerful way you can self-coach because you'll hear yourself. You'll hear how you're pausing or not pausing. You'll hear if you're really listening to your prospect. There's a ton of different things that you can benefit from by doing
1: that. It's a great, I mean, it's a great, uh, mastery technique, right? You can't get better if you don't know where your gaps are, what you're doing well, what you're not. And if you don't have a manager who's doing right, and, and I don't know many sales reps that want a, a manager executive to go on every sales call. So Thanks. <laughs> if we don't want that, then we better find ways to do it ourselves, right? We better make right. sure that we are aware of, of where our gaps are and see if we can't increase. Uh, our effectiveness. So there was a, there was another topic that came across when we were prepping for this three success secrets. Everyone likes to talk about, but nobody wants to do. Now I'm going to tell you that my inclination when I was putting the questions together for this was to put that right at the top. Cause that was the one I was like, I want to dive into that. (laughs) Let's go there first, but I'm putting it here in the middle. Help me understand what are those, what are those three success secrets everybody talks about, but nobody actually wants to do.
0: Number one is to be brutally honest with yourself about what's working in your sales process and what's not. I think we all know intuitively in our gut, when we walk out of a sales conversation, we know where we've tightened up. And that's a great indicator of where we need to work on something, right? Secondly, take 100% ownership of your actions. Don't play the victim. You always have the ability to choose. And even if you don't think you have the ability to choose, then you're playing the victim. There's always a choice that can be made to shift, to pivot, to do something a little different. You're not necessarily locked in. And third, and this is probably the most important two-word phrase that I can share, it's embrace struggle. That is the, I think if everyone were to be very honest with themselves and look at their own personal growth, track i think you would agree that when you embrace struggle that was when you catapulted yourself to the next level you have to own that struggle it's painful but it's worth it
1: absolutely i couldn't agree more i mean you don't learn a lot by winning all the time right and right. if things are if things are too easy if they're moving too i actually get a little uncomfortable this is probably a little too much self-confession for the podcast but i didn't get my therapy session in this week i actually freak out a little bit if things go a little too well like I, I literally start, you get into that struggle and then when you're in the middle of it, you're thinking, okay, I really wish this would stop. But when you have just enough time to look back and say, hey, you know what, look at all the things that came out of this. A lot of it's mindset. A lot of it's perspective, you know, crafting your own and owning your own mindset to mm-hmm. be that. We're talking about, it sounds to me, you know, we're talking about a level of mindfulness and awareness that's difficult to maintain these mm-hmm. days. But I think, you know, to your point is so critical for success.
0: We are 90 plus percent habitual creatures. And it's just being able to, like you said, be aware, be mindful of what you're doing. That is the greatest step, I think, to self improvement.
1: Absolutely. I'm actually on my, I'm actually taking two weeks to go be mindful and hopefully lose some weight at a retreat for, uh, <laughs> In the middle of July to, to do this, because I'll, I'll be the first to admit it's a struggle for me. Like I, I move fast, right? And, and I try to inject those moments of quiet reflection and mindfulness, but I'm not, I'm not good at it. It's a struggle for me. And I've realized that I, I'm going to start the journaling thing. That's a beautiful tip. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that one, but when I look back at myself, right? And it all starts with us. That's just something I've always struggled with. So I've literally had to block out the two weeks and and pay the bill. So I know I'm not going to get out of it mm-hmm. uh, in order to drive that. And I think everybody at the end of the day would benefit from that. Mm, I agree. Excellent. All right. So let's change direction here a little bit. Actually, before I do this, where was the genesis for writing the book? I'm just curious. I'm always curious because I'm, you know, everybody thinks they've got a book. I think I've had a book for 20 years. I just never found the damn time to do it. <laughs> how How... <laughs> How did that come about? I'm just purely curious myself.
0: Great question. It goes back to I journal every day. Uh, it's, it's therapy for me. And, uh, I was, I remember sitting out in my gazebo, writing in my journal one morning. It was a summertime and, uh, I started asking myself, what, what process have I followed over the years in my selling? And I was shocked when I recognized it was the same five steps over and over and over. It was just shifted a little based on the industry I was in at the time. And so I thought, well, heck, if I could help somebody short circuit their their learning or make their learning easier by 50% or more by putting this into a book format, I would love to be able to help thousands of salespeople recognize that. It's a simple process. If they follow these steps, they can they can kill it. (laughs) So (laughs) that was the reason I put it together. Uh it took me three years to write. Gosh, that was a whole that's a whole nother podcast story. But uh three years. Well, it wasn't working every day for three years. There were some start fits and starts and uh hired a company to help me with it. And then I talked to two New York Times bestselling authors who said, Brian, The only book you're really going to love is the one you write yourself. So don't rely on somebody else to help you do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I I took their advice and then I actually wrote it in six months. Ah. That was a huge, Um, huge, uh, good piece of advice I got.
1: Well, I mean, that's great because there's, I mean, everybody, there's a lot of people out there that are coming out with books and you can tell I had, um, Rachel Headley from the Rose group on. They did, they just released the books, IX leadership. And I, I asked her kind of the same question, like, how'd you find the time? And she. She very kindly, in a tongue-in-cheek way, said, "Chad, people like you and me don't write our own books. (laughs) We don't have time." And I, I don't know, as a as a writer, like you know, my undergrad was English with a writing emphasis. I can, you know, consider myself a little bit of a writer. I don't know if I could let somebody else do it. And to that advice you got, you want to make sure your voice comes through, Mm -hmm. your insights. So I can I can see that. And then getting it done in six months—that's impressive.
0: Well, I had two other. (laughs) versions of it. So I was borrowing from the stuff I'd already had. (laughs) It wasn't like I started from scratch. You know, I think the best, the best sentence I've heard about how, you know, you're writing appropriately is from Perry Marshall. And he said, you know, you're writing like you should when you cut a vein and start bleeding on the paper.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, it's vulnerable. It's a very vulnerable experience because a lot of people will have you know everybody's got opinions. You know, there's a whole bunch of sayings about that. Well, I want to thank you for for writing the book. I've I've not finished it. I have started it, uh, and I do recommend that those out there that are listening do definitely pick it up. But we've got two last questions here at the end that I ask all of our guests, and and the first is I always am curious because everybody in the world wants more leads. They want to talk to more people that they don't know. If somebody's trying to get in front of you. Or maybe that maybe actually we could switch it and say when you were when you were in sales, what did you find to be the most effective way to earn the right to get fifteen minutes of somebody's time if you didn't have a referral, if they didn't know who you were, right? What did you find to be the most effective way to get through that kind of cold period and actually get in front of somebody? Well,
0: it was actually an example just springs to mind. I'd cold call dental practices and others for the on-hold service. And I'd walk in, and instead of asking for the manager or person in charge, I would ask the receptionist, hey, I'm just curious. If you were to put me on hold right now on the phone, what would I hear? And they would stop and say, huh, well, you'd hear this or this. I said, oh, well, who handles that? Who's in charge of making sure that stays updated? And then they would give me the name of the contact point, And invariably, I'd be able to have a quick conversation with them and maybe set up a time to come back or talk at that moment. And it was really more of a, I'm not here to pitch you. I'm just here out of curiosity to see what you've got and if there's a potential fit. And that works for me as well. When I when somebody approaches me, the curiosity, are you dealing with this type of issue? Is this a challenge for you? And if it is, we've helped hundreds of other people like yourself overcome this. And if you're interested, maybe we should have a chat.
1: Love it. Understand where the pain is, understand where the problems are, and if it's something worth solving. The curiosity is the big part. Mm The curiosity is the big part. I love it. All right, last question. We call it our acceleration insight. If there was one thing you could tell sales, marketing, or consultants, one piece of advice that if they listened, you believe would help them crush their targets or or exceed their goals, what would it be and why?
0: If I could stand on a mountain and scream this, Chad, here's what I'd say. (laughs) audio record your top salesperson's presentation, send it out to your sales force and have them listen to it at least 20 times. Have them own the language, own the steps, own the cadence. It could literally double your sales. Case in point. I have a gentleman that was uh, part of my sales team and I gave him a copy of my recording over the phone of how I sold a particular service. He told me he listened to it at least 50 times when he was driving he more than doubled his sales and became salesman of the year after that.
1: Nice. It works. Excellent. Love it. Perfect. Brian, if a listeners interested in talking more about this or, or diving deeper into the topics of the book, what's the best way for them to get in contact with you?
0: Two ways. First, I would go to brianrobinsonbook.com. B-R-I-A-N-R-O-B-I-N-S-O-N book com. I have the first three chapters of The Selling Formula you can download for free and listen to. And then you can also grab the book on Amazon, The Selling Formula is the name of the book, or go to the thesellingformula.com.
1: Excellent. Brian, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show.
0: Likewise. Thanks, Chad. Enjoyed it.
1: All right, everybody, that does it for this episode. You know the drill, b2brevexec.com. Share the episode with friends, family, and co-workers. Leave us a review. And until next time, we at Value Selling Associates wish you all nothing but the greatest success. You've been listening to the B2B Revenue
0: Executive Experience. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.